Hey, Changemaker. Welcome back to the Hey, Changemaker podcast. I'm your host, Julia Wicklander. And today we have a guest whose work is challenging us to really listen to girls and to understand what it really means to have agency. Joining us today is Dr. Brenda Ulu, a feminist researcher specializing in multidisciplinary topics related to the well-being of adolescent girls. As the co-director of the Girls Agency Lab, Dr. Brenda leads an initiative that spans across Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, Malawi, and Rwanda. In addition, she's currently pursuing a doctoral degree in public health economics and decision science in the esteemed Wellcome Trust program at the School of Health and Related Research at the University of Sheffield. Agency, as Dr. Brenda knows all too well, is a vital construct that empowers girls to affect change in their own lives and communities. It's a key outcome of empowerment and life skills programs, yet finding a standard measure has proven to be a challenge. But what actually is agency? In this episode, we'll delve into Dr. Brenda's groundbreaking work, exploring the importance of agency, its impact on girls' lives, and the quest to develop a meaningful and validated measurement. We also speak about our own lives, and Dr. Brenda shares personal stories of her own journey of empowerment and her relationship with agency. This conversation really is a journey into the heart of change, where it all really begins. Let's dive into this enlightening conversation with Dr. Brenda Ulu and uncover the pathways to enhancing the agency of adolescent girls and the agency in our own lives. Thank you, Dr. Brenda Ulu, for joining me today on the Hey Changemaker podcast. It is such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Julia. Nice. It's amazing to be here. I can't face. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you've dared to join me on this conversation. <laughs> um, so as I was explaining to you just previously before we started recording, that this podcast is really about change makers like like you who are dedicating your time and um, efforts to, you know, create positive change and be a part of that. Um, can you share a story from your own life of when you just knew that you needed to do something to make a difference, um, that you felt a need to become a change maker? Wow. Uh, wow. I think I, I could, I could start with when I was practicing as a doctor. So I graduated from medical school in 2010 and started practicing within the government system uh, of healthcare in Kenya. And I noticed that people or patients uh, were not very um, we're not we're not very keen to call female doctors doctors. <laughs> we were we were always referred to as nurse or uh, even if you had a nameplate that said doctor, you are still referred to as nurse. And sometimes if they were told the doctor is coming and you'd come to see them, they'd be like, no, I'm still waiting for the doctor. <laughs> I want the doctor to come. And I always wondered whether it was because. Uh, people didn't imagine that women could be doctors <laughs> or that doc or women doctors were you know good enough or why this was the case and so I'm 
it started to bug me a bit, but I said, okay, maybe it's just a small issue and I should have been making a big deal out of something like that. But then I realized that over time I struggled to assert myself as a woman uh, mm-hmm. in Kenya. And it just occurred to me that if I was a medical doctor, a, full, a grown woman who was struggling to assert my presence as a woman, what about girls who are still, you know, in the face of growth? How how would they be able to speak for themselves, know that they can be or do whatever they wanted? And I began to have an interest in, you know, female empowerment and girl empowerment, especially like for girls in high schools and being able to give them a voice and have them, you know, put out uh, what they'd like to to be, what they'd like to do, have people uh, hear them. And I would say, I don't know if we've made a lot of progress in the work because a lot of girls still, and myself still experience a lot of these uh, challenges where we are uh, not as valued as we value ourselves. And mm-hmm. I think we continue to put out work out there and continue to encourage uh, adolescent girls to have the agency to say uh, I matter I can be great I am great (laughs) this is what I can do so that's that's a bit of how I you know moved from the field of medical practice towards research uh, on uh, girl empowerment when I when I was transitioning I didn't know it was going to be in research I just knew this was something important that I wanted to do but then you know, over time, I figured out like where my niche is, you know, it wasn't like one day I woke up and I said, okay, good, great, I'm going to do research on girls and work with adolescent girls. But it just, I leaned into it a bit naturally when I started, I quite started with clinical trials that focused on girls and girls issue. But the more you learn about girls and interact with them, you understand some of the issues they experienced, which are some of the issues I had experienced. So it just like became a natural progression to want to do it more large scale in terms of this is what's uh, uh, on the ground and this is what we should do. And this is what we could do to make a, a space for girls to be whatever they feel they want to be and to get the respect they deserve for that. So yeah, that's a bit of it. Mm, thank you, Brenda. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that a lot of us can recognize, you know, probably, you know, all girls and women who listen to this and, and any minorities who are listening to this can definitely, you know, relate to that feeling of, of yeah, being afraid to assert ourselves or being afraid to be judged because of who we are or um, being afraid to take up space because we've been told not to. And, yeah. um, you know, so there are all of those things of doing things that we're afraid of and um, and just find making space for others to find that it's okay to do it. Um, so you've been a part of doing conducting research on girls agency. Can yeah. you define what agency means and why it's been important to research and and even measure? Yeah, that's a great question because um, in in the field, I mean, uh, very few people have 
you know, experience or use the word agency. We talk about agency and everything about agency as the components of agency, but the word agency itself is not one that's commonly used or understood. But um, I must say now it's really picking up. I'd like to say in part that's due to some of the advocacy of the work we've done to kind of put a name to what is this thing that people and uh, organizations have been trying to build in young girls and women for a very long time. So we define agency in our work as a girl's ability to make decisions about their own lives and uh, just direct the course of their lives and to be able to make change uh, for themselves and in their communities. So we have uh, done work with community-based organizations that seeks to expand on this definition and include it as both a set of beliefs and skills that accompany this belief. So if you do believe that you do have the self-esteem and you do believe that you can, you know, direct your own life and make decisions for yourself, what are the accompanying skills that you need to be able to realize this belief on directing your own goals and uh, mm. the goals of making change in your community if you'd like to. So we uh, use this uh, to, uh, you know, uh, develop a working definition, which we are hoping and testing uh, through various projects to see that uh, this is the best definition for the context in which uh, we are working in. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are quite a number of definitions of agency. I think most of them do go back to this whole, you're an agent of yourself. You can make uh, you can make choices towards your own goals or towards your own uh, ambitions, etc. So there's not, uh, we don't fall far from this, uh, you know, traditional or this uh, uh, longstanding belief of what agency is. We just depend it to say beyond the belief, you must have the skills or the accompanying skills are quite yeah. important in realizing agency. And that is how we research on it and evaluate it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if I understand this correctly, there are certain um, internal you know, um, mm -hmm. a set of internal things that affect agency. Yeah. Would you say that there are a set of external things that also affect agency? Yeah. So we we actually have divided them into a nice uh, for e for ease of understanding. We've divided them into uh, a set of internal and external. So internal, we have both internal beliefs and uh, external beliefs. So yeah. in internal beliefs, we have, you know, your self-esteem, your self-efficacy and uh, the internally facing uh, beliefs about your abilities. But externally, we recognize that there are structural environments that yeah. affect how we view what it is we can accomplish or what it is we can achieve. So that is mm -hmm. an uh, external set of beliefs that affect uh a person's agency, not only girls, but, you know, girls more so because of long-standing, you know, gender norms and uh, yeah. structural, you know. Uh, but um, we also divide 
the skills that we believe make up agency or that our partners teach to make up agency into both internally facing and externally facing. So we have uh, the internally facing, we call them self-governance skills where yeah. you have decision-making, goal-setting, problem-solving, and those are things that are internal to you, but there's also agency that can be externally facing skills. So public speaking, mm. interpersonal communication, and yeah. perseverance and negotiation with others and things like that. Those are externally facing skills that are equally as important as the ones that are internally facing. Mm -hmm. So this is the framework that are of internally facing skills and beliefs that uh, we are, you know, rooting our definition of agency and our, you know, evaluation and measurement of agency. Mm. Yeah. Which is, yeah, and it's it's really, really interesting. I think that I find it fascinating because it can really explain sort of how someone from the same sort of perhaps, you know, community can still perhaps see their own agency as because of sort of maybe family beliefs being differently, having other role models and other connections. And so I think, I, I mean, I would love to hear just a little bit more about what the Girls Agency Lab is and also the, the sort of initiatives that you have in East and Southern Africa, what they look like, what, what do these sort of um, partnerships that you have and, and the initiatives look like? Yeah, great. Um... Yeah, and I, I do agree when, with your comment on how agency looks different <laughs> to different mm. people. That's that's something we acknowledge right off the bat. You know, we say uh, agency is context-specific. Agency yeah. would not be the same for a girl in Nairobi, uh, which is the capital city, and in a rural part, maybe in the nomadic parts of uh, Kenya or other places because of context and the structural environmental uh, aspects we spoke about, which makes our initiative in the girls' lab, in the girls' agency lab, quite a complex one, mm -hmm. but also very ambitious because we, as much as we recognize that that's uh, uh, what agency is can be context can can be context specific and different for everyone, we still need to be able to define it. Yeah, and measure it as a outcome of programming because how this work started uh, a bit of background on that is in 2018 my colleague Dr. Aubrey Seidel um, conducted a group concept mapping with uh, 18 members of Amplify Girls at the time they were the founding partner organizations all CBOs within Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania and Rwanda and she basically asked them a very simple question. She said, what does success for girls look like for you? You all conduct girl-focused programming within your communities. And what, is the, what, what does success look like for you? And mm. she asked them to write down so many statements that, you know, signified what success was for them. And when she sat down to analyze it, she saw they were all describing agency. But in very diverse statements, there were over hundreds of statements that said, uh, for example, someone, we want a girl to be able to make up her own mind about what she'd like to be in the future. We'd like to be able to, a girl to be able to say no to marriage when she's not ready to. 
such a diverse set of statements. And part of the reason we decided to, you know, focus on agency as a collective at that time was because in the, she asked them to rank all the statements that they'd made in order of importance in terms of outcomes, because there were outcomes there that led that spoke to education, there were outcomes that spoke to health, there were outcomes that spoke to economic empowerment. But everyone present felt that agency was such an important preliminary uh, skill to be able to get uh, good outcomes in education better health outcomes and better economic empowerment. So then we had the challenge of how do we measure something that everyone describes so differently uh, in terms of you know, what they think it is, what they think, how they can manifest it, how do we then measure it? And we started with developing a tool with the input of the community-based partners that included as you can imagine so many questions because everybody wanted the skills they had identified and the beliefs they had identified to make agency to be part of this tool. Mm -hmm. So the Girls Agency Lab is seeking to have a better refined tool that measures agency because we started with a practitioner-derived framework um, of skills and beliefs that measure agency and a hundred questions is great, but it's not practical. <laughs> I mean, if you could ask every single thing, uh, good, but how how then do you implement that? And mm -hmm. that's the feedback we got, like, this tool is nice, but it's too long, you know? Yeah. And we started work, you know, scientific work to try and, um, you know, make it leaner and more practical to people. And the... The one thing I must mention is in the traditional or the most uh, normal process of uh, developing a measurement tool that's validated, people usually start with a group of experts, content experts that set up the questions, etc. But we kind of started with practice experts. We said, mm -hmm. you teach this, so you should know what it looks like to have it <laughs> once. Yeah. Once you have taken a girl through your programs, you should be able to know what it is you intended them to have. So having that approach to uh, developing our tool on agency was both uh, rewarding, but also difficult because then you have to take this practitioner derived measure and convince the scientific community that it's a good measure of agency that we can use across this region mm. to uh, capture agency, not, I wouldn't say perfectly, but to represent uh, outcomes of programming that are trying to teach agency. So that's what the Girls Agency Lab is seeking to do. We are seeking to have a refined standard tool that can be used as a program outcome evaluation measure in measuring the agency of girls. Now we are in five countries. We initially started with four East African countries, but uh, we expanded uh, some the work to Malawi now because it was initially developed by just partners from the four countries, but we wanted to see how a country that didn't participate in the initial development what they thought of the tool, how useful they thought of the tool, and whether the scientific validation would also hold in that country. Mm. And have you found that it has? So we, <laughs> this is ongoing work, <laughs> work in progress. We have mm. just uh, 
completed the data collection phase of the Girls Agency Lab project that's being supported by Kidna Giving, uh, who were uh, quite kind to give us the space and the support to try and standardize uh, our previous tool. So we are in the data collection phase, which we've just completed. Now I'm moving to uh, analysis that tries to validate both uh, construct validity and reliability of the measure. Uh, we first uh, went back to the <laughs> traditional process where we took this tool that was developed by practice uh, experts to content experts and said, uh, we have this tool, what do you think of it? Of all these uh, items in the tool, what do you think is relevant? What do you think is not relevant uh, mm. to the construct of agency? You are con you're an agency, quote-unquote, expert. Do you think these questions should be in here or shouldn't be in there? But uh, it was really interesting to see because most of what practitioners had is what content experts thought belonged in the tool. There were few omissions after the content review process, uh, but uh, most of the original tool are now went to the next phase of data collection for construct validity and reliability. So we are now going to crunch the numbers and hopefully uh, bring together all the organizations that participated uh, in the process. There are about um, 33 organizations that were kind enough to partner with us in data collection in the five countries. So we hope to bring them all together uh, to look at what the crunching of numbers shows and also to get their input qualitatively on what that is. Do uh, this numbers make sense according to you or don't they make sense because then at the end of the day we're not uh we want to have both a quantitative and qualitative uh, tool that has you know both uh, undergone a statistic validation but also the results are validated by uh, the people that were involved in data collection and um I think one interesting thing to say about this was initially when we were looking for organizations to partner with, we sent out a call and said, who wants to work with us on uh, collecting data for this? And initially we got around 600 organizations applied to be part of this. So it was a real indication of organizations want to be able to determine their outcomes using a reliable tool and that work has gone into it already and they were willing to join the next phase of making this tool uh, both practical and validated. So we hope to have uh, something by um, early next year, early 2024, after the validation and the, you know, qualitative validation of the quantitative findings. And hopefully the tool will be both lean and practical and accurate. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's amazing. Well done. And I, I think you've, you know, you've put together a data set that will be very interesting for many people to uh, to have access to, and this tool seems to be really helpful for organizations. Are you looking to then have the, you know, the opportunity to expand it to other countries to be able to use this tool? 
um, for yeah. other organizations. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, part of the work that's uh, upcoming once the tool is, uh, when I, I, I'll say finalized, but finalized in quotations because, uh, you know, you can continue to refine a tool even after this process, you know, science is evolving. So once the tool is finalized in this phase of work, we hope to have an online web platform with the tool there that is going to be open source uh, and uh, organizations both big and small and uh, with capacity or without can be able to use the online web platform mm -hmm. to administer uh, the survey or find uh, the results of their you know programming based on the tool uh, with this platform so because now when we use it we realize that some of the smaller community-based organizations who don't have uh, evaluation expert on staff. Uh, they administer the tool, but they are unable to analyze it and interpret the findings for their work and what's the use of administering yeah. tool if you're not then able to use what you learn from the tool to either, you know, improve your programming or give yourself a pat on the back and said we should continue doing this because it does seem to work so we we noticed that that was a gap and we think with this online platform that does a bit of this in the background for organizations will be able to fill that gap and we are planning to make it open source for that reason so that both big and small organizations would be able to uh, use it we did initially discuss uh, uh, the, you know, generalizability to other regions outside of Africa. Mm -hmm. So this was developed in East Africa and now is also, you know, in pilot in a Southern African uh, nation. But we also initially thought, well, how would it work um, in India, for instance, where there does seem to be some similar structural constraints for girls as in Eastern Africa and uh, Southern Africa. So we um, we hope to be able to partner with uh, Indian-based experts. I mean, we cannot pretend to know the situation on the ground, uh, the context, the uh, specific uh, you know, nuances of agency in India, but we did share our tool with a contact expert from India. So she, there was a, a team from India that was part of the content review and they did find most of the staff to be similar or relevant mm. <laughs> in their context as in the East African context, which was encouraging. We're not that far off <laughs> in terms of being able to generalize the tool. So I wouldn't say it's smack on 100 to 100, but there are definitely aspects of agency in how we define it that are relevant to both uh, uh, to both settings. So we will see how this goes if we do get, um, I know such undertakings require a lot of uh, resources, both uh, human and financial. <laughs> so if we do have that kind of support, we would be able to probably see how uh, to adapt or adopt the tool for other contexts other than mm. Africa. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. 
Um, I did did my master's, uh, um, yeah, final final paper on uh, or research on um, uh, women's and girls empowerment in India, and I think that this tool would have been really amazing to work with uh, back then. That was many years ago, <laughs> so I'm sure that there are lots of of experts and keen people who uh, would love to support take this on. Um, so with sort of the research that you do have, and I'm sure, you know, you'll be crunching numbers and seeing a lot of, of new things come out of it. But um, what would you say are some of the largest barriers to girls agency in East Africa today? Oh, wow. That's a difficult question, I would say, but I would. Um, the structural environment is definitely uh, top of the list, and this is this we've also seen is the hardest to change. <laughs> so you know, in a lot of uh, programs and work, uh, so many people have tried to you know, increase agency, equip girls with better skills to be able to have agency, etc. The structural uh, component is one that's very entrenched in society and gets um, uh, takes a longer time to be able to change, especially both in the mindset of girls themselves and in the communities that they live in. So I would say that usually is uh, one of the biggest barriers of agency because you can teach <laughs> and equip, but if the community doesn't support uh, what you're teaching, uh, then you do have uh, limited chances of success, you know. So mm -hmm. that definitely is uh, one of the one of the main challenges. In fact, we did see it in one of our evaluations that we did uh, using the tool uh, when we when we administered it to different programs of the four components of agency that I spoke about earlier, the internally facing beliefs and skills, the least impacted component was actually the externally facing. Yeah belief aspect the environmental beliefs so that that was interesting for us because uh, we were able to say okay so why doesn't this change as much because we did a pre and post uh, evaluation and for all the other sets of the for all the other domains you could see like a huge uh, spike <laughs> in how girls uh, performed in those but in environmental beliefs it was a bit of a straight line mm. and this definitely you know raised some questions for us is it that programs need to strengthen that aspect of their work or is it that this is such an underlying and rooted uh, a barrier to girls agency that uh, maybe it needs a different approach uh, than direct programming uh, with girls to be able to yeah. think so that's uh that's definitely one uh big big barrier of girls agency i would say there's a lot of work uh, from different actors that seeks to you know make improvements uh on this aspect, but it, it is hard to change structural 
Yeah. 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 And I guess, I mean, from the research that you also get, it will be supportive for advocates who are not per se working with programs with adolescent girls, but more so with advocacy and policymakers. And mm. I think this will be incredibly helpful for them to um, to push for structural change and and uh, changing norms that that affect the agency of girls. So moving back to sort of where we began and you shared, you know, from your own personal story of of um, uh, a feeling of frustration with perhaps a lot of these external um, norms and, and beliefs. Um, how do you see that you've managed to build agency in your own life? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Let's. Well, I, um, I, I, I think uh, I'm still building agency. I think we all are still building. We all are. Yeah, we all are still building agency. We just become more aware of uh, where the aspects that we need to improve on with time. Uh, but I, I think of uh, I, I, I can't put my finger down on one specific instance but I think over the course of my career in life I've I've really taken steps to be more uh, outspoken <laughs> on things I I feel are an injustice you know like uh, women not getting the you know recognition they deserve for their work and for their contribution to society sometimes uh, that I have become more outspoken about uh, I was sharing with you before we started recording that I'm not a very vocal person I do not like to be you know uh, doing podcasts for instance <laughs> that's not who I naturally am I'm a bit of a hermit <laughs> but uh, I think over time I'm developing the agency so okay maybe it's important to speak about this so some of those externally facing skills the public speaking and the, uh, etc it is important to you know put out there what uh change you'd like to see and what what it is you're doing about that change you'd like to see it's good enough it's good work to do it mm -hmm. and publish about it but mm -hmm. also once in a while put yourself out there and say yeah. this is what I'm working on and this is what I believe so um I wouldn't say now I'm the most prolific public speaker on all this <laughs> I, I I am trying to be as uh as vocal about uh the issues that I believe strongly in as possible. So mm. uh, there are others other than, you know, um, other than girls' issues and adolescent girls and health-related issues, I would say uh, there are others that include, you know, structural racism, for instance, mm. that I'm also very passionate to speak about. And uh, yeah, I'm... Um, learning to be more vocal in advocating for myself but also mm. advocating for others so that uh, uh, we can all collectively experience better days mm. yeah yeah amazing and I thank you so much for sharing that and I think yeah. I guess I would like to perhaps say that wouldn't 
speaking to an agency expert, <laughs> would an agency also involve knowing more of who we are and what we enjoy and being okay with making decisions that fit with that? So as you say, perhaps public speaking isn't what one of those things that you enjoy. You challenge yourself with it and it's fantastic, but, um, you know, dedicating the things to you know, the the time and energy that you have to the things that you enjoy, wouldn't that also be a sign of strong agency? Um, you know, I think, I think that um, sometimes we have this idea of how we're supposed to be and, you know, all the things that we should, you know, all of those um, various skills or, or personality traits that we should have, um, but everyone is different and we can all be a part of, of advocating for change in various ways. So, um, yeah. yeah. yeah that's great. Yeah. Cause you, I think you're spot on one of our skills that is included in how we measure agency self-awareness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so self-awareness is what am I good at? What am I yeah. good at? What do I want? What do I not want? What do I like? What don't I like? You know? Yeah. And that's important to know for sure. Uh, and I agree fully should we should have all our own unique ways of uh, doing what it is that we do and uh, uh, want to do. But I I must say that that was that is and has been my positioning for a long time. But I also did discover that if you want to be a change maker or you want to speak for others who perhaps cannot speak for themselves, then yeah. sometimes you have to be a bit uncomfortable and speak mm. for for others because you I I have this opportunity to speak. You know, not every not every girl in my country will have the same opportunity yeah. to speak and to put forward their you know thoughts on this and they probably have excellent thoughts mm. <laughs> on what we are discussing I am in fact I'm definitely sure they have excellent thoughts on girls agency because they yeah. are girls but mm. they're not all going to be able to have an opportunity to say what is girls agency for me so mm. as as much as I as I agree with that I think for change makers and for leaders once in a while you do have to be in that uh, sort of uncomfortable position to speak yeah. for uh, yeah for yeah I hear you and I'll take that challenge <laughs> yeah <laughs> no I think that yeah <laughs> absolutely no I think we were speaking as well about just before we started recording about facing our fears and I think that's something that you know as as we want to create change. Um, it's one of those recurring things that we come back to on this podcast with with all of, of the guests that have been on, just speaking about getting out of that comfort zone and, and doing things that um, that go against the norms and um, and that is difficult. Um, but but that is definitely one of the things that I've seen has has strengthened my own agency in, in my life. And um, yeah. Okay. So you are a feminist researcher. You're doing amazing work um, in East Africa, Southern Africa, and perhaps, you know, expanding to many different regions. Um, and at the same time, you're pursuing a doctoral degree in public health economics and decision science. Mm -hmm. Do you have a self-care practice or do you have a means of keeping your energy and motivation high despite, um, you know, having a lot going on? 
despite the world looking like it is and and all of those external facing um or external challenges that that you face um how do you care for yourself with all of that yeah that's a great question I don't think I've been doing an excellent job of caring for myself but uh I I definitely have purpose to do it more now uh I would say I work with a really wonderful colleague (laughs) I I we we do share, you know, when you have somebody that uh, shares intimately both in the work you do and the struggles you face, then you have someone to talk to mm. uh, when things get tough. So I must say I'm really appreciative of my colleagues uh, to be able to speak to her and she encourages me and she mentors me. <laughs> so I think that mentorship and, uh, you know, just... Uh, closeness uh, has been able to you know give me uh you know the space to just one make mistakes admit that I'm tired admit that I'm burnt out and have her step in for me and me step in for her and vice versa and uh actually (laughs) it's great you asked that question because in June, I was really burnt out from trying to balance, um, you know, school and this work. And I just decided that I was going to come back home. I was living in the UK and I decided that I was going to come back home. I said to the school for my mental health, I'm going home. (laughs) And I did come back home. Mm. And uh, one of the things I did was book a, you know, trip to uh, the coast of Kenya where it's very quiet it's very rural and you can walk on the beach (laughs) for however many hours you want to and just you know distress and uh, recenter and I was there for about three weeks and this was um, also really helpful so I think being able to say I need a timeout yeah I need to recenter uh has been very important for me i and i do think i was very tired because even after the three weeks i was like oh no i want more time i want more time Mm -hmm. yeah just uh you know figuring out uh what's next because i was really tired to the point that i think i almost had an existential crisis i was like why why am i doing all this Mm -hmm. why why do i have to work so hard on all these things you know yeah but uh with with uh, a break and speaking to people asking and saying guys I'm tired uh, can we can you support me in this way I think yeah. that both agency and self-care at mm. yeah, once because I no, I can do my work, but I also knew I was getting burnt out. So yeah, I just had to get to the point that said, okay, time for a break. So it's definitely not easy to uh, take on a doctoral program where it's a new skill set that's yeah. different from the skill set I've held for many years and also do work that's in multiple countries involving multiple moving parts. Uh, that hasn't been easy, but it is fulfilling and it is rewarding. I, I, I am quite encouraged by the response the work is, mm. is uh, garnering. I'm 
sometimes I don't even believe this. I'm like, yeah. oh, wow, okay, cool. So it is, it, it's encouraging to see that take shape. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to keep going, but I think I'll remind myself more frequently to take as many breaks as mm. possible. Brenda, thank you for sharing that. Um, and and I I I totally hear you in terms of of the priorities of of taking a taking a step back, taking a break, re sort of reevaluating what is important. Um, is yeah, it's um, it's admirable, and uh, I really appreciate that you shared that you did that because it's something that we all should be doing more often, and um, and really seeing to as we want to be change makers, as we want to create change, that that is such an important part of it um, to take care of ourselves. And I think that this podcast was definitely um, a. Uh, a uh, result of myself doing the same thing um, after, you know, a horrible uh, political election here in, in Sweden and the results of that and just the whole development of, of you know, a lot of parts of the world, um, things feel like they're moving backwards and just being very, it's very difficult. Um, this was one of the the pieces that I felt this is something that can give me hope. It's something to have these conversations with people who are driven um, and to hear how they're coping, to hear what they're doing. And, yeah. and um, I really hope that it can inspire my guests, but also inspire the people who are listening just as much as it has inspired me. Um, so I would love to just conclude our conversation to hear you um Tell us what brings you hope. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I think many things bring me hope. <laughs> uh, but in terms of work, I would say it's um, seeing community-based organizations feel encouraged to keep doing what they're doing because a lot of the organizations we work with some are founded by just individuals who see what's happening in their communities and decide no this should stop or this is not okay or we need to make a change and seeing them come together in this collective and see the work we do together inspire them to keep going uh, I think that gives me hope because if we all, you know, band together <laughs> to a cause, then we'll make progress, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it might not be immediate, but we definitely are making progress. I would say uh, re research and evidence has also shown there's a lot of progress on girls' issues. So mm. I think all the work everyone has put on in it so far has you know, led to something. And it's great to see that. And that's hope. And uh, that's um, wonderful to see, I think, in terms of work, in terms of personal life, I would say, I'm hopeful to finish this PhD and see what that new set of skills can help to improve the work that I'm already doing, you know. Mm. Uh, I, I was sharing that we do a lot of evaluations that show effectiveness of programming, but then 
the cost aspect and people want to know where is the value for what I'm putting in and being able as a researcher to both show effectiveness and cost effectiveness of programming is rooted in the practice is to me a hopeful thing because then we can encourage investment you know Mm. A lot of investment needs to keep going into the work that is already being done and uh, it's wonderful uh, uh, to see that I can be able to support in a small way to making that continue to happen. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing what brings you hope. And thank you for being a part of this conversation, sharing your expertise, sharing insights into this exciting project that's happening. And um, and I wish you all the best as you pursue the to conclude your PhD. And um, and yeah, thank you for being open about, you know, your own journey. Um, it really does bring you know me hope and um strength to continue and uh yeah i appreciate you so much thank you that is thank you in swahili i'm so grateful for this episode and i have so much gratitude to brenda for sharing her incredible insights and her tireless dedication to enhancing the agency of adolescent girls and for being so generous to sharing stories from her own life if you've been as inspired as i have by dr brenda's work i encourage you to learn more about amplify girls their collaboration with Brenda and her colleagues is making a real impact in the lives of adolescent girls, and you can find out more at AmplifyGirls.org. As always, we encourage you to share this episode with your friends, family, colleagues, and fellow changemakers who are passionate about empowering girls and advancing research in this critical area. And remember, you can find all our episodes, leave your comments, nominate a guest, and subscribe to the Hey Changemaker podcast at girlsglobe.org slash changemaker. Your participation is invaluable and I love hearing from you. Thank you for being a part of the Hey Changemaker community. Together, we can make a real difference in the world. Until next time, remember that you are a powerful agent of change. See you next week, Changemaker.